you, you've really kind of hinted at the very simple AI5 explanation of Butter. The name came from something slightly different, but we've adapted it. And the idea with butter is that it is like, you know, if, if DAOs are like bread, then butter is, is butter. Delegate. I'm Cameron O'Donnell, a DAO governance strategist. And I'm Lawrence Smith, a DeFi and DAO token builder. Powered by Boardroom. Today we're joined with Vaughn from Butter Money. Butter is a governance protocol designed for DAOs. Prior to this, Vaughn had a position as the co-founder of JAX. JAX was a music blockchain initiative aimed at unifying music organizations in their ongoing collaboration for copywriting data. Before Butter, Vaughn also served as the chief product officer of Runa, the fintech company specializing in digital rewards. Thank you to our sponsor, Boardroom, for providing the support required for this and all of our episodes. You can check out boardroom.io for the latest and greatest in governance, including delegate profiles and votes. See the links in the show notes. All right, and we're joined from Vaughn from Butter. Uh, Butter is one of the hottest new startups in the space focused on governance. Vaughn, how are you doing? Good, Cam. Good to be here. Good to be with you both. Awesome. Should we kick off with a nice and easy one? Let's hear about your crypto origin story and how you got into the space. Absolutely. It's a bit of a weird one. I think most people like me, they had like a good friend who told them about crypto or someone who sent them something to read. I actually like chanced across the Bitcoin white paper and weirdly I came across it through Ripple. Okay. I found Ripple first. And what happened was I was, I was in the finance industry. I was working for Dow Jones. I wanted to go study finance. Went to college, got there. First day was basically the collapse of Lehman Brothers. I was in my economics lecture and my, my lecturer said, hey, uh, I mean, he was having an awful day. He turned to us and said, hey, look, I'm going to be honest with you, like 90% of you guys are not getting jobs. Everything you know about finance has completely changed, which is funny, right? Because it's actually what we're seeing now. And, uh, and after that, I kind of left and I, I really thought, am I doing the right thing, going to spend three years studying investment? And I thought maybe I should figure out what's the future of money. So I found some books, did some research. I found one, a book by a guy called David Warman called The Future of Money, I think it's called. And, um, and in that book, he mentions like cryptocurrencies. So I started searching. Before long, I found myself on the Ripple website, which is the early version of Ripple, not the, not the new corporate version. And, um, and then I saw a comparison of Ripple to Bitcoin. And before long, I was on the Bitcoin talk forums, reading the Bitcoin white paper and not really knowing what I was looking at. And, uh, and to anyone who wants to ask, I did not buy any Bitcoin. I was shocked that people were buying Bitcoin at the time. I didn't understand. So yeah, that's my uh, crypto origin story. <laughs> that's the rabbit hole, man. I uh, did. Did you buy the XRP? I don't know. <laughs> it was. It was like a very different project to the very beginning. Ripple was like an IOU, a IOU system similar to the uh, unspent transaction outputs for Bitcoin, but it just didn't have the. They didn't have the consensus and, uh, consensus system behind it. So talk to us about Butter. Butter's a governance protocol for DAOs. Myself as a governance professional. Lawrence working in governance. We've seen a ton of different really cool things and worked on a lot of things from governance design, game theory, modeling out different scenarios. And so give us a little background about Butter and, and the things you're trying to accomplish. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think I'm going to start where we started. So we didn't start in governance. I think where we started was with the premise that having spent time in finance and really looking at DAOs, and spending a lot of time in DAOs after shutting down my previous project, I really felt like there was an opportunity to develop a whole set of, of like finance um, tooling. So 
talking about like corporate finance and all the advanced tooling that, that large organizations need. If you predict that DAOs are going to be very large, have lots of people in them, they're going to have very advanced financial needs. And hey, we've got this incredibly advanced financial infrastructure to build new tooling. So we're like, yeah, that's a great place to spend some time. So we spent some time there and we came up with, we actually did a hackathon last year, which is where I met my, my co-founder, Alex. And uh, we had this, uh, this idea that you could do auto diversifying treasuries using a combination of like balancer, liquidity, bootstrapping pools, plus superfluid. You're like streaming governance tokens in and it's like rebalancing over time. You're pulling government, um, USDC out, for example, spending it and it's rebalancing. And that was the idea. We built this thing and <clears throat> we were pretty chuffed with ourselves. We, we were finalists in the, I think it was called DAO talk. So it's one with hack money and the other one with DAO something. It was the first ETH global one yeah. was you know, DAO hacks. That's what it was called. So we win DAO hacks and we're like, great, let's go speak to some DAOs. We put it in front of DAOs and DAOs are like, what? And I realized that you have this like governance layer to, to really, um, like interact through like, and, and also gave me this really weird feeling about selling to DAOs. Like it, it never really felt, it, it felt very gameable and it felt, I, it was quite hard to determine he was on one side of the DAO and he wasn't he was speaking to contributors or core team members. And it was hard to figure out where the border was. So it really did change my approach a lot. And the first thing I thought was, well, maybe rather than thinking about selling finance solutions to DAOs through their governance, we should just try and improve the governance. Imagine all the things you could do with governance once you've really tried to, to improve it. And it feels like one part of DAOs that really there's a massive return on investment by improving governance. And so that's where we spent a bunch of our time. And, and where I was really interested, obviously being like a, an armchair economist, as we all are now, was looking at game theory and mechanism design. Actually, when I, when I shut down my previous projects, I spent like a year just diving crazy deep on, 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 on those topics. Mostly for fun, but just because I felt like it was an area I was under, under-resourced in. So spent a bunch of time there, came out the other side of that and, and, was think, and really thought maybe governance is a great place to apply some of the ideas in mechanism design. And, um, and that really is what birth butter, that's how we came up with the idea of, of really just focusing on incentive design and how it could impact governance. And so really butter, you can think of as a meta governance protocol. It's like a system of governance for governance systems. If we get it right, I think that it can have a real impact. The guessing it right part is obviously where all the devil is. And that's what we're trying to do now with this, with this pilot. Oh, this is super interesting. And I'm really curious to know, because Cam and I have spoken a lot about like the different challenges faced by different sorts of DAOs within their governance process. So like taking Maker as an example, Maker's super complex. It's really hard to sort of get an alignment of incentives um, and make sure that you're getting the right decisions off the back of that. What were the sort of the broad categories of problem that you saw that motivated you to think we need to change or improve DAO governance? There was a really, there were a few really important events, I think, as we were spinning up. They really helped us see that there were problems and, and the class of problems in, in economics is for its principal agent problems. <clears throat> and the, it kind of stems from this idea that you, we kind of expect in crypto, at least in DAOs, that um, if you have token holders and then you have delegates, you have somebody that holds tokens that they delegate to a to, to somebody who's going to act on their behalf, they automatically in, inherit the same set of incentives as the token holder. And, and honestly, that's just obviously never the case. I think when you look in other parts of the economy and then you look at what's happening in, in, um, in crypto, I'm sorry, I still call it crypto. I just can't call it anything else or web three or DAO. Um, <laughs> I, I do feel like there's people on the outside think that we're quite naive because we stumble into things and just assume that everything works well. And then we're like, why is not that not working? And after seeing some of the kind of early failures, I think that one of them was watching Endgame and watching it being announced and with Rune specifically saying that it was designed to try and address some of these principal agent problems, what he called the yeah. iron law of bureaucracy. 
And then Hasu coming, coming back to him and saying, well, look, we already have solutions. Like we don't need incredibly complex solutions. We have lots of solutions that we can just inherit from corporate governance. And then there was a lot of back and forth. I think Vitalik jumped in and said something about people are talking about corporate governance and people are also talking about like politics and saying that where should we inherit from? And Vitalik kind of pointed to this idea that, you know, maybe it's the right thing to do to look at politics, that like we should be looking outside of corporate governance. And that's actually what's more interesting from a DAO perspective, especially. And then he, he started to make this separation between DACs, like the corporations and the kind yeah. of DAOs and the real DAOs really probably needing this new form of governance. And so this is, this is kind of what um, made me think that maybe we do need to look at what's out there in terms of governance systems that do already exist, that already exist, and then try to figure out what things do apply and what things don't. But it definitely seems like if you look at governance today, it's, it's really far away from what it will get to. And I think where, yeah. where, the way that we approach it is we think about governance really going far beyond anything we've seen in the future. Like if we can build it in software and it's open source, mm -hmm. There's just so much more we can do and there's far, you know, if we have these actual agreements enforced on chain, it means that we can do far more complex structures and things that extend further and we can innovate and we can do it all a lot cheaper than we could with like traditional voting systems in politics or even in corporate governance. So that's really like the impetus behind Butter and what, what we're working on, or at least how we're, we're focusing our work at the moment. Yeah. I love to describe Butter as a, as a protocol built on top of existing governance structures. Yep. I think that's, I think current governance structures are, are fairly limited, not by design, but rather just because of the natural constraints you have with immutable contracts and uh, system development. And so I, I really like the idea of building on top of these governance structures, introducing some complexity that, that further distributes voting weight, that better aligns incentives for the actual delegates for the voting process. Because as we all know, over the past few months, especially over the past few months, we've seen a lot of special interests in DAO governance. DAO governance really had, uh, you know, it's, it's time in the, in the spotlight uh, over pr probably the past quarter. And so I think it's great timing for a protocol like this. Can you jump into a little bit how Butter works? Where do these incentives come from? What is the LE5 goal here to distribute rewards back to delegates? And where do you see this going? Absolutely. So, so, You've really hinted at the very simple EI5 explanation of Butter. So we, the name came from something slightly different, but we've adapted it. And, um, and the idea with Butter is that it is like, if DAOs are like bread, then Butter is Butter. It's something you spread across the top. And, um, and you know, when it, when it works, first of all, it makes, makes the bread so much better. But when it works really well, it's almost invisible. And I think that's what we're trying to aim for here is something that really just enhances what DAOs already have and something that doesn't try to take from them. So... The simple mechanism is that we introduce incentives, some incentives on the front end. And we believe that does the two things. Number one, it increases the pool of people who can participate in governance, both from the voter side and the delegate side. And if you have this bigger pool, there's more diversity, there's more representation of like token holder preferences, which is all great. <clears throat> and also it means there's more competition, right? So it means you, it's harder to hide. One of the things that does actually please delegate actions more than anything else is really just other delegates, like other delegates there who are watching what you do and telling you to stop doing that and saying, hey, why have you made this decision and so on? And that's really, it's incredibly valuable. So that's the, that's like the first part and that's the kind of pulls these people into the market. And we think that if you get better delegates and you get more delegates and you get more competitive delegates, then what you, 
also get is you'll see more token holder participation. And it's, again, this is quite a weak claim, but we should see it, which is because there's more representation, it's harder for delegates to, to have, I guess, purely private interests, just because there are so many delegates and so many people policing them, that you should see that more token holders do participate in governance. Even if it's marginal, you should see an increase. And this increase, what we want to do with that is we want to, to basically ask token holders to, to participate by locking tokens in our contracts. Which means that we get two things we can do. Number one, we can, we can delegate the voting rights from there, but also we can produce a financial return on the tokens because they are in our contracts, obviously uh, still in a non-custodial non way, but then the yield that we produce, we can use to actually, to pay delegates, so actually to introduce incentives. And what's really nice about this model is the contracts and the token holders in Butter can actually enforce the rules of the Butter protocol. So a good example, a good way of thinking about this is delegates basically get compensation, a form of compensation, or at least rewards in return, they're held to a higher degree of scrutiny by butter token holders. And so butter token holders can limit their, their voting power, remove their voting power, for example. And we actually haven't punched all this stuff in yet. None of this is, is set in stone, but what we really wanted to do was actually just get something live using really like off the shelf components, things that run already using lots of other people's protocols as butter intends to do in the long term, and then just see how that works first before we commit to saying these incentives are just going to work. We want to prove it works first. Yeah. So w one question I had on that is around the locking of tokens. So my understanding is a normal token holder who wants to delegate their tokens goes to Butter and they lock in those tokens and those tokens are then used by Butter to be staked within the respective protocol and yield on that. And that yield is used to incentivize delegation, right? What's the 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 main sort of motivation for the token holder in that instance, because they could be getting 100% of that yield if they went and staked with Aave with the safety module, for example. Do you think that the delegation aspect is the, the main motivation or is there anything else? Yeah, it's a great question, right? So this comes down to incentives. So what we, what we say is there is a percentage of token holders for whom the benefit of having more delegates, having more credible governance is more valuable than any potential staking yield. And so you can look at the existing RV token holders and there's a large percentage of them who do not stake. I think there's maybe 20% of all RV estates in the safety module. So for some people that the risk is not worth it for them. And so what we're saying is there will be some group that we believe would have higher incentives or, or be more incentivized to actually participate in, in, in butter because they want the governance upside. Now, the, the question is how many, right? Could be five people, <laughs> two Aave. We don't know that, but that's why we're running the pilot because we want to test. A good analogy for this is thinking about shareholders in a growth startup foregoing dividends in order to reinvest profits into growth. So we're going to grow as much as we can for now before we try and take profits out. We'll see what happens. I think that's the idea. We want to be highly experimental. We want to prove things rather than just saying things. And really it's, it, it's a good way to think about it is, hey, I have this potential to earn a dollar right? For every single Aave has, I, I own. Instead of me earning that dollar, I'll actually just send that to a delegate. I'll pay them for their services. And that's a good way of thinking about it. It's really just like a, like a service provider relationship where the delegate's working on behalf of the token holders. And that's really what we want to see. And the benefit of that is that we do it on chain in a, in a kind of a permissionless way. So it's not something that someone is doing separately or behind the scenes or it's opaque or it's a private contract. It's just being done on chain, which is really nice. It has some nice properties because it just means that you can't really hide what you're doing which we know does help in terms of credibility, in terms of neutrality. And I think in terms of just decentralization, if you, if you have lots of private interests, people stop trusting governance. And if you stop trusting governance, you don't want to use products or protocols that can 
can be biased against you without you really knowing. Um, and that's why we think that Butter could be, could provide some utility for pretty much every single token holder. I think a big, a big piece of what you're talking about comes down to accountability. So aligning those incentives, looking at that problem space, and then providing some of these governance structures with some form of accountability on top of it. It's been a hot topic in governance for some time now across major DeFi platforms uh, involving special interests, accountability, and aligning those incentives. Another quick thing that popped up while you were speaking is the relationship between matured delegates or matured delegation and how that impacts the protocol. So does having a pool of so does having a pool of experienced delegates impact how the protocol operates? And I think there's a direct correlation there and super excited to to see where this comes out. So I can definitely explain like the election process. So so really I guess what we're trying to do here is we're trying to we're trying to to rebalance incentives or realign incentives. I think as you said, it's really important that the delegates delegates can be held accountable. It's really important that any payments or any kind of incentives are transparent and opaque, sorry, not opaque. And I think that the election really is to try and pull as many token holders into governance. So one really important part about an election is that it provides a coordination. I don't want to say shelling point, but it provides some coordinating value because there's one moment in time when everybody's doing this assessment, which means that there's a lot of energy and resources spent on, on like creating information and data around delegates, around a choice, yeah. it lowers the cost of like actually knowing what to do, right? And, uh, and jumping in. And also it lowers the cost of, of voting for someone because if you are a small token holder and there are only very large token holders and you're concerned that they will be able to overrule you in any vote, it actually precludes you actually participating. You just, vote, you just opt out because it's pointless and your, your votes have no weight. When you're participating in an election, when there are lots of other small holders, you can actually see the value of your pooled interests. And so it's really nice. It's a, it, we hope that it does have this really nice property of just lowering the barriers participation for, for smaller token holders, which is important. And there's also the other thing about the election is we're running it for one week. It starts, it starts today. We're going to go live on the RA snapshot and, um, we'll keep it open for about a week. And by the end, we also are implementing a weighted voting system. So. Rather than just picking a single candidate, you're actually going to pick one of those candidates and you're going to be able to allocate as much or as little RVA to each one as you wanted. So you could spread put them evenly. You can put more on one person or more on two maybe. And again, we think that this does, does two things. It, it helps to create much more of like a, a representative view of, of like delegate power, I guess, or voting power or, or what token holders actually want. But even, even better than that, I think it gives you some view of what Voting could yeah. be like in the future, right? So at the moment we have very large whales who are just delegating large chunks of power to, to, to groups of delegates or teams. And then in the future, you're probably going to see something that's a lot more pluralistic with lots more ideas represented and lots more preferences represented in voting. At the moment, Basel will probably just put one candidate forward, right? And put as much voting power on them. But in the future, you could imagine a world where you have multiple candidates being allocated power, maybe a short-term dynamic parties being formed where there are multiple delegates collaborating. And so I think these are avenues to explore in the future, though obviously in the pilot, we're going to keep things very simple, but that's the structure of the election this week. It would just be token holders. They're able to participate directly in Snapshot. And if they, they want to, they can put their tokens across as many delegates as they want. Yeah. Yeah. And jumping in a little bit to the actual election and some of the traction that you've had with this Ave campaign, I think let's start with some of the traction around the Ave campaign, how that came about. And then we could talk about the election. We'd love to hear who the delegates are involved. And then we could talk about the election process moving forward. 
Absolutely. So we have a full list of the delegates. We have it on our mirror, which is just mirror.xyz slash buttered, B-U-T-T-E-R-D dot ETH. And um, we started out quite slow. I mean, we had, we were speaking to lots of delegates and, and trying to bring them on. And, but it really picked up, I think, as people started to understand, I guess, the value in, in running one of these things. And also just as other people started to participate. And I think one of the, one of the goals was that we would, would increase the number of, the number of delegates. And I think when we first joined, Aave, when we first started looking at Aave's delegate platforms, maybe there were 13. I think at the moment there's maybe like, there are a few few new joiners who haven't participated in the pilot, but I think they're up to 20 maybe. Um, so there's been a big, it's a big increase. Our list at the moment includes Wallfacer Labs, which is a group that includes a Code Knight, who's a MakerDAO delegate, a Stable Lab, um, which is a Kenne, who's an active delegate in Aave already. But we have uh, someone called Oxytocin, who is a Paraswap. We have OnChain Coop which is a group who uh, only mostly participate in Aragon, who includes um, capitulation.eth. Franklin Dow, which is Penn, who I'm sure everybody knows in governance. Flipside, again, who I think everybody knows in governance. And FireEyes, who I think everyone knows. Diego Ortiz, who's a, um, uh, actually someone who's, who's um, representing the kind of Spanish language delegate market and wants to kind of spread the contributors or token holders. Dow Stewards, which is the bankless, a team from Bankless Dow. Curia, who are a another new delegate group, a very new one. We also have Blockworks Research, who also joined right. the last kind of week, and then of course Consensus. So it's a, it's a big uh, a big group. And actually, we had one new person join actually, which was a Matthew Graham, who's Token Logic, who joined recently as well. So I think there's thirteen in total. Definitely a well known list there. To see all these matured, or rather, to see all of these experienced delegates participate. I think that goes to say something just in of itself. I'm totally interested to see how this all plays out on the butterfront. I think it's really exciting. I think it's definitely what we need in the governance space. There's a fresh perspective and some experimentation on different structures. So really excited about the results. I guess a couple of my like questions around this is, in the future, aside from staking rewards, how do you envision these pools getting funded or these delegates being compensated in addition to what they are currently? And are there any sort of up-and-coming innovations, features that you want to chuck in there that you're not doing with this iteration, but have been either eyeing up or uh, have in mind? Yeah, great questions, actually. So there's there's a lot of innovation, I guess, just in DeFi in general, and some outside of that, such as in the public goods. One thing that we're particularly interested in is compensation. And I think that what we are betting on is that over time, there will become more formal compensation plans in DAOs, which are for delegates, as you see a maker. I think that around the same time that we are, our proposal went live, there was a proposal in Aave to fund a, a delegate, one of the biggest delegates there, which is um, Aave Chan, which is really cool to see it. And there's a lot of discussion there. So the question is, if delegates are being paid directly through the DAO, then why do they need to get paid via Butter? What's interesting about that is there's definitely should, and I think there will be an element of compensation that does come directly from this like mechanism, right? It's like on-chain provable rec mechanism. So then the question is, how do we design something that can consistently produce some reward that is commensurate with the effort that a delegate like delivers for a DAO and also provides a balancing mechanism that it's not all coming directly from, from the DAO and from the treasury. And so the way that we see it is um, there's this like very simple, like produce yields. Like, we just produce yields from tokens that are locked. But one of the problems with that is the yield would then only be based on how many tokens are locked, which maybe is a function of how 
you know, valuable the delegates are, but then also like how much say borrowing demand there is for tokens. And then obviously the other one is market price, right? So actually there's a lot of things are out of the control of the delegate, right? And this is problematic because it means that if you have variable rewards that aren't really to do with your, with your own efforts, what you're likely to do is to, in, in economics, call it shirking, right? So you're supposed to, you, you just end up not doing as much because it doesn't make a difference. You can work really hard, you work not that much. It doesn't make a difference. So to get over that, we will kind of want a mechanism to evaluate the amount of effort that a delegate is producing or not producing the amount of effort that a delegate is providing. And then we want to be able to compensate them for that, right? So we want to have some element of their work that's really tied to their work and their effort. What you need to do that is you need like some money and then you need like some evaluation mechanism. There's something that's been worked on a lot in, in kind of the public good space, which is impact certificates. And actually I spent a lot of time with the protocol labs team. I actually spoke at Funding the Commons last year and in Bogota at Shelling Point. And they've been working on Holka over there and Evan, they've been working on hypercerts for a long time. And they actually just went live with something on, on Gitcoin, where if you participate in a certain round, you can now mint a hypercert. And so imagine this, right? So you're a, de you're a delegate, you're working through the butter contracts, you've put your candidacy up and you're, you're being delegated tokens, let's say it's an Aave. And now let's say like at the end of this pilot, we tell delegates they can mint a, a hypercert. So they mint this hypercert. And the hypercert now has some like unknown value. It's like you worked for three months in, in Aave, but now Aave could decide that rather than taking it, I don't know, however much Aave wants to spend on comp, you can just buy the hyperserts, and when it buys the hyperserts, what it's done is it's created kind of a market value for those hyperserts, right? And what's interesting about that is then it becomes a really nice mechanism for the DAO to evaluate how much, like, it thinks the governance effort was worth in that period, um, and also to do it retroactively, right? Just like we're seeing with optimism. So it means that they pay for things that happen after they've happened, and we think that if you if this mechanism works really well. It then does provide a really nice mechanism rather than the DAO maybe having to wait for people to put in, for delegates to put in proposals to get funding or having to come up with a really advanced fixed structure for paying out to delegates every single, every single month, every single year. It could have this like more market driven mechanism where it's able to just allocate a certain amount of its budget every month to just purchasing hypersets, right? For delegation. And I think that, I mean, this is obviously I'm, I take no credit for this. This is all someone else's work, but you can imagine how many of these kind of funding mechanisms suddenly become really useful when you think about how to pay for what is quite strange work, right? It's not directly something that, um, I mean, actually uh, Lama brought this proposal to Aave about whether a delegate platform versus a service provider. Are they the same thing? Should they be compensated as the same thing? Should you be able to be one and be the other? And it's true that really delegates aren't always providing, let's say, just like what you would strictly call labor, right? Decision-making is governance and, and kind of labor is different, but there's definitely a lot of labor that has to go in and lots of resources that have to be consumed to produce some of those decisions, especially if you're like a very complex DAO, like Maker, for example, or where there's lots of like high stake decisions to make. So. From my perspective, I think that's a really nice mechanism there, right? Hypercerts and this kind of retro retroactive funding of delegate work. So we could see lots of lots of like avenues there. And that's really we think we're somewhere we'll actually spend some time as well. So yeah, that's one way of thinking about it. That's super interesting. Yeah, and I love the different takes on compensating delegates. I know Cam is much more in the weeds than I am with maker delegation and the amount of effort that goes into that. And it's definitely not light work. So I can definitely appreciate that we need more nuanced mechanisms for funding and flexibility for the delegates. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I actually, Lawrence, I think we've talked about it on previous shows, but 
compensated delegation likely to become a norm in matured complex protocols, right? At some point in time, you'll have to have some form of some form of incentive. And the reason for that is these protocols are so extremely complicated, right? You know, you're, you're not just making a decision on how much to pay somebody. You're actually making technical decisions, sometimes finance-based, operational-based, HR-based. And so what that requires is specialty skill. And specialty skill costs money, right? That type of labor is really expensive. And so we see different groups forming. They have multiple different names. I think I read somewhere, a governance service provider. These are your flip sides, your GFX, your wall face, or fire eyes, and so forth. Folks who have this type of specialty labor that they can go and then apply within the space. Yeah, I actually think one of the nice properties that we have is we can almost be a hub for governance innovation because only really exposed to the DAO through delegates and token holders. So a DAO basically could pretend we don't exist. It just sees delegates who turn up and do delegation work and maybe they're getting some of the, their governance power directly through the original government contracts on which being delegated by Butter. But our goal is, again, as I said, to be convisible. That is not, that we're not making any, any I guess, like, any egregious impact. And what you tend to see is just that you have um, delegates who appear in your DAO with high-powered incentives and they're ready to get stuff done and they've got like very good focus. And actually, if token holders don't want that and it doesn't work for them, they just opt out, right? They remove their tokens and they're back in the kind of traditional world of just directly de delegating. And that's a really useful property because it means that we can run and a DAO could run and even build these experiments around governance and how decisions are made. There's actually, uh, we've been speaking to Mel who has this like Oxcar method, which he recently released, which is this idea that you have of kind of constrained delegation where you have to delegate to participate. And in doing that, you create this, I guess, intelligence seeking network that finds the right individual governance participant who has the information in order to make the vote. And that's really what the delegation is there to do is to seek out those people, which is really nice. But again, it'd be very difficult to get a DAO to say, we're going to do that for all votes from now on. However, you could do that within an isolated kind of butter subunit that's been designed to do that. And actually for us, that's something that could entirely exist and be, be an agreement between the token holders that delegate to a delegate through butter and the, the delegate themselves. So really think about, you can think about like us being as a kind of governance innovation department or team for, um, for DAOs that where, where, where butter is actually deployed, which I think is quite nice. I think it's a, it's a nice yeah. option. We need more of that. And that's one, I guess one really important property of DAOs, or one thing that I really like about DAOs is that they aren't like com companies, they aren't like corporations. The boundary between like Butter and other organizations is incredibly blurred. Let's say, for example, that you turn up to a DAO tomorrow and you say, hey, I, I want to sell you guys some widgets. And then, but before you do that, you go and you buy 0.05% of the token supply. You now have 0.05% of the say. Are you selling to yourself? How much of the token supply do you need to own until you would be selling to yourself? And I just think that that's something that is in entirely new in, in new companies, like brand new companies, in terms of what it means, where the boundary doesn't really exist. You can meet people who aren't really part of the DAO, but they can still be very important in making sure that you can join, can sell something, can buy something, can participate. Yeah. And I think that's going to really, that speaks to where I think governance might go in the future, this kind of much more complex environment with less less standardized ways of thinking about rights and thinking about governance and who owns what and who can say, who has say over what happens in what jurisdiction and so on, which is really just how the internet should work. So just to summarize some of the key points we've hit across the board here, introducing incentives to delegates, hoping to align them better to the protocol, the community, the further growth of the organization, holding these elections 
for these delegates. And what this does is it really lowers the cost or the it, it lowers the barrier to entry for delegate onboarding as well as for the communities to understand what these delegates are about, how they go about their processes, as well as holding them accountable, right? So there's periodic elections. I think right now delegation is, for the most part, if you don't have an expiring contract, it's all or nothing. And so what we see a lot is uh, folks will delegate and then maybe they'll check in once in a while or after a few, after a year or so, they'll jump back and start asking questions. But I think those periodic elections really play a big part there. Making those competitive Super important, right? Introducing that market factor, that that increase that increased competition increases the performance from the delegates, right? So you're always pushing to be the best, and you're always trying to push those boundaries. And then, lastly, lowering the cost of actually reporting for those delegates and for all of the interested parties involved, and communicating that across, which I think is again a big problem in delegation right now or in governance, really is the communication and the reporting aspect. Just to summarize that, but I do see we are coming up on time a little bit here. And regarding the election, if you have anything you'd like to say about the election to Ave token holders, to all of the participating delegates, now would be the time. Absolutely. Thanks, Cam. One of the most important things that we're introducing here is the idea of the delegate initiative. And the initiative is, we haven't really defined it. We've really just presented it as a concept and let delegates decide how to interpret it. But very simply, it's just the delegate saying, here's what I plan to do during those 90 days. This is important because it acts as a way of distinguishing, I guess, between delegates. Obviously the platform talks about values and principles and like expertise. The initiative says, here's how I will allocate your voting power over this time. Here are the decisions that I will spend time on. Here's what I care about. And this is important because what it helps token holders to do is it provides some signal about what might work and what might not. It provides some signal around what might match their preferences and what might not. And also makes it very clear because you have actionable items that they will, they will spend time on. This is useful up front, but it's also really useful uh, retrospectively. So one of the problems, as you just said, is that token holders don't really have much ability to hold delegates to account. And this is actually bad for token holders, but also bad for delegates, right? Because there's nothing really that you have to do. You just do. And um, what we really do expect is that if you, actually what we know is that your monitoring costs as a token holder are incredibly high if you actually want to hold a delegate to account because you effectively have to participate in governance. You have to go in there, read all the forums, know exactly what's happening. Maybe you might as well vote then. You might as well take your tokens back. I mean, and that makes sense, right? We're very early on in, in just figuring out how all these things stitch together. Most DAOs are very different and they cover different topics. They have different structures, different governance models. What we hope is that by doing a couple of things, we can really lower that cost for token holders. So one is, as we said, we have the delegate initiative. It's scoped to the three months that the delegate will have power. You can see what they plan to do. Great. You can pick someone, you can delegate. Three months later and during, and what Butter will do is Butter will just report. We'll look at the delegate initiative. We'll say, this is what you said you'd do. This is what you're doing. And we'll just make that clear. So if you're a token holder, what you need to do is just have a look and say, okay, they said they do these things. They haven't done them yet. And this is what's happened. Some of these things, maybe they're admissible. Some of these things are not. Why haven't you done these things? And that's useful. And it's useful not because that means that you might just suddenly withdraw your delegation, but it's useful when it comes to the next time round. So it's, you're up for re-election, yeah. right? We need to do it again. And this is really where token holders can hold delegates to account. So you said you would do this, you didn't. I don't really understand why, but you haven't really given me a great reason, but I see that there are these other delegates who are doing the things that they say they'll do. And so I'm, I can allocate my tokens to them. 
And that we think is going to be an unbelievably important key to, and it's an incentive, right? It's really about cost. Yeah. The cost of monitoring is high. And if I don't have to pay that cost because someone else is doing that for me, even the fact that it's the election happens at the same time and it and re-election happens at the same time, it means that there's really coordination around assessing delegates and assessing performance, assessing what's happened in the DAO. And again, lowering the cost for token holders so more people can yeah. opine at that time. And that's really what we're expecting. So to any RBA token holders, definitely just have a look at those delegates, like look at their platforms, have a look at their initiatives, see what they say they'll do, see what's different between them and see maybe why they've decided to commit to a certain set of, of activities or commitments. If you do find something that you do see eye to eye with, you, you believe that it's something that's going to be valuable in the DAO, absolutely delegate to that, to that person. And that's the person you should elect in. And really that's what we're hoping to prove with this pilot is that if you give delegates an opportunity and you give token holders the means, they by themselves will realign their incentives. And that's really what Butter's all about. Awesome. So any Ave holders right now who hear this or who see Butter across the way, the snapshot vote is open until approximately April 10th. That is seven days from now, I believe five days from, from the recording release. But Vaughn, thank you so much for joining us. I think you're on the forefront of building the next iteration of governance and innovating around governance. So build on, man. Thank you so much, Cam. Really appreciate it. It was great being here. And Lawrence, I will see you guys soon. Great, another great episode. Really enjoyed hearing about Butter and being able to get the inside scoop on the latest innovations within DAO governance. So giving a little roundup of what we've been through here. Butter is a platform that looks to incentivize delegation, just making sure that the best people are working on it. And it does this through channeling users staked tokens within Butter, using those staked tokens as a form of vote for the, the token holders to elect their representatives in elections, and then giving the staking rewards from that a portion to Butter, a portion to the elected delegates, and a portion back to those token holders providing their tokens in the first place. And so this is a really cool, really interesting novel use of DAO governance. And whilst it's still not 100% tried and tested, this has been its first go. And so I'm really excited to see how this pans out with Aave over the next week or so. I think it's got a lot of potential and I really liked Vaughn's sort of focus on using this as an iterative test of Butter and making sure that they're getting the right fit for DAO governance and appreciating that it's still quite early days. Very much like when we're speaking to you, Juan and Retro um, for the maker constitution and their view on, on how DAO governance still has a long way to go um, and how they're trying to, to reinvent it in any way that they can. Some of the things that I really liked, Cam, were the drawing upon political systems from the real world uh, and then strengthening that with the aspect of being on-chain, allowing us to take things even further. And I think in the long run, um, there's going to be much more formal processes around governance participation, particularly around the topics of compensation. I think that we need to start having more initiatives going along that vein and exploring what we can do within the comp compensation front. And I think Butter, um, I quite like their mission of sort of taking a similar angle to like Snapshot, so acting as a hub for governance participation, but actually taking the engagement a level higher than Snapshot, where Snapshot is just the place for it to, to happen and they provide the tooling for it. I feel Butter are actually actively engaged with the processes around governance and making sure that they're as efficient and effective as possible. 
So I think that wraps up our episode here. Quick shout out to Boardroom for sponsoring this episode. Thank you, Vaughn, for coming on as a guest. And we're excited to see how butter progresses into the future. Till next time.